Ladies and gentlemen, we have Rob of the McDojo Life in the booth today. And I'm very excited to talk to you because uh, I've seen your videos come about. You know, like uh, what, what, what Rob does is he uh, exposes the fake martial artists. Uh, you know, some people uh, think that you can knock people out mentally, <laughs> you know, and uh, th those people, it turns into a dangerous cult and uh, it, 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 it can really lead to like really severe consequences sometimes, such as like so some people have died, right? So um, it's really good what you're doing. I'm very excited to see, you know, what uh, your method is, uh, how you grew your page, the McDojo Life page, uh, and sort of how you made, how you're making a living off of it right now. So Rob, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, man. I appreciate you having me on. I uh, I like to talk shop, so whatever, I'm down. So thank you. Perfect. perfect. Yeah, we're coming off a great uh, UFC 268 card. I don't know oh my God. Start with that. Oh like, my God. Yeah. That was, I think, I, I'm trying to think back. I can't think of a better card that I've ever seen in my life. Every fight was incredible. It is up there, man. Like, I noticed it yesterday, the impact, because I was at the gym, and, like, I've never been stopped this much by people that, you know, know I follow it and have this podcast and uh, just asking for my opinions every single fight, including prelims. Like, there's some people I know that never watch prelims, and they were like, did you see that guy? And did you see Pereira? I think Pereira headlined the, the prelims, right? Oh, um, my God. All the prelims were amazing. And I think the majority ended in knockout as well, which I think was pretty cool. Like, uh, yeah. I forget the gentleman's name, but uh, they were heavyweights and he knocked dude out with the spinning hook kick. Chris Barnett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that guy. What a legend. So He's good. my new favorite fighter, man. He's my new favorite guy. You know. He had so much energy after the fight. He was just so excited to be there. And you could tell that he really loved what he was doing and he was still hyped from the knockout. It was cool. Yeah. It was cool to see. Absolutely, man. So what's uh, what's your own background in martial arts? Uh, I'll try to make it quick. Uh, so I've been in the martial arts industry for 24 years of my life. I'm a third degree black belt in karate, a third degree black belt in something called this is Jodo, which is a weapon system nobody has heard of. It basically nope. just means I'm good at nunchucks. I'm a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm a 6-0 amateur boxer, 4-2 amateur kickboxer. I was on an international kickboxing team for two years called Team Full Circle, where we traveled internationally and did martial arts and kickboxing tournaments. And I've been doing McDojo Life now for around nine years, I think. And then I've been doing martial arts business consulting for about 10 years. That is uh, martial arts business consulting. Okay. So are you still doing that on the side? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I actually make the majority of my money doing this through martial arts business consulting. People mm. always ask me, they go, hey, man, how do these frauds have so many students in their school? I'm like, well, they probably learned a little bit about business. It's actually not that hard to do. So many people in the industry think making money is a bad thing. And that is a great way to be out of business very quickly. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can make money and not be a fraud. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and there's a whole morality, like, oh, you're a sellout, you know, like the sellouts thing. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like everybody yeah, you know, you know who says people are sellouts are people who are broke. Exactly. Exactly. You never hear rich people calling other people sellouts. You never hear financially successful people calling other people sellouts. You only hear people who can't afford a meal. You're such a sell. No one takes the martial arts seminar from the guy in the cardboard box. You don't walk by exactly. the hobo and go, you know what? I bet you that guy is good at martial arts. No one does that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like you've put a couple of people out of business too that are uh, fake martial artists that are now living out of a cardboard box and still trying to recruit people, right? Uh -huh. So like, what were you? So what were you doing before you started this page? Because uh, so I saw, I I saw some clips of your page before. Like a lot of people, especially like a lot of casual fans, uh, send me these uh, videos because they think like half of it they think is fake or like set up and stuff. And I'm like, no, that's the whole crazy thing about it is. 
people really genuinely believe what they're learning in those schools and it's but yeah um so i saw some of those clips and i think i saw you on one of like you showed up on one of brendan schaub's uh podcast kind of things uh, i don't know what he was doing and then you explained that this is what you make a living off of I'm like oh this is the guy behind that page okay i, I want to have him on one day and i've been waiting and then thought what, what, what why am i waiting let's just let's just hit you up so um but what were you doing before you started this page i was a martial arts instructor <laughs> oh, okay. figure. A real yeah, one. <laughs> I, uh, martial arts has been pretty much my entire life since I was 12 years old. I haven't really branched off and done a lot of other things, I guess you could say, in terms of hobbies. Um, mm -hmm. And so I really loved martial arts. From the time I started, I knew that it's what I wanted to do. And then eventually way leads to way. You become, you know, an assistant instructor. Then you become an instructor for someone else. And then eventually I opened up my own school and I had that for about four years. Um, then it got bought out by another martial arts facility because they liked the way I was doing things. Then I worked for them for a time. And then now I do McDojo life full time. So and but you are you did mention something, by the way. Um, the things that I post are not staged, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. People think because they're so ridiculous and so outlandish, these people have to just be doing it as a comedy skit. But what people don't see is the hours upon hours upon hours that I put in doing research into these people to find out what they're all about. And I even go on our YouTube channel and I do deep dive breakdowns about exactly who these people are, what they're teaching, what they believe, how many students they have, where they're located, all that stuff. Um, so anyone who still thinks that it's staged is just lazy or, um, or they're probably just so astonished by how crazy it is that they just can't believe it. They can't fathom that people could be this actually crazy, but they are. It's a martial arts cults I deal with. That's yeah, that's what it is. I mean, have you ever, have you ever, you know, exposed someone who wasn't fake or like, like how do you find out their martial arts credentials? No, it's not that hard. You have to remember most of these places are actual, like I said, they're actual martial artists. So they have a lineage so that means they have an instructor and instructor before them. They have a very specific martial arts style that they teach, which usually means that they have a facility or a school, which usually means they have a website, which usually means you can find out information on them very easily because they themselves post it up. I haven't been sued ever doing this job, by the way, because I actually do the research and find out the truth about these people. So they have no legs to stand on in terms of slander or liable because most of the things I put out, they themselves have put out into the world. They yeah. admit freely to being this crazy. It's it's amazing. It's that DJ Khaled thing. You you played yourself or, you know, like <laughs> yeah, they, I think they definitely it, but... play themselves like yeah. it's, it's it's weird. Like you would think that I'd run out of material by now because I've been doing it, like I said, for almost a decade, you know, how, and I post someone different every day. Um, you know, every once in a while I'll find like an active con artist that I think needs more light. Um, like for instance, like Detroit dust, Dale Brown is like one of the bigger con artists, um, you know, and he's in Detroit and he's teaching just nonsense and he's putting it online and all these people, he, he, he controls the narrative as well on his social medias by stopping people from being able to comment or he deletes all the negative comments. Um, and so people see that all these people are following him. So some people assume that he must be good at what he does. What a lot of people don't understand is the reason so many people are following him is because he's a con artist and they like watching him to make fun of him. Um, yeah. But, you know, people like that, they need a little more spotlight. But most of the time I post new people. 
And what surprises me a lot is that, especially in the West, you know, uh, where there's a lot of sanctioning bodies and, uh, you know, who run different uh, martial arts organizations, that so many schools are allowed to exist. Like, I know you have a lot of um, schools. Sorry. I, I want to touch on that. Like, yep. one of the reasons I started the page is because that's a misconception. Um, hmm. There is no regulating body to all martial arts at all. It doesn't like, exist. I mean, like for each martial art specifically. No, and... even in each martial art. Like, oh, for instance, yeah. you know, there are over 2,000 different versions of karate. Oh, I didn't Two, know that. Look. Yeah, 2,000. <laughs> there are over 200 different versions of Indonesian Salat. Even within jiu-jitsu, you have a lot of different types of jiu-jitsu. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, Taekwondo. There are different factions. Same thing with Krav Maga. There are different factions. And so yep. you would think that these things have regulatory bodies, but they don't. Um, they may, they, maybe there are smaller organizations. Like for instance, you have an organization, which is a little larger, like the IBJJF, mm -hmm. um, you know, the international Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation, I do believe. Um, and they do help in a way, but at the same time, it's like, they don't control all of Jiu-Jitsu and they're not the only organization and they don't tell you the rules. They give you guidelines. They're like, it should take you about this long to get a black belt. It should take you about this long to be, uh, you know, good at what you're doing. It should take about. And when you're looking at martial arts in general, it's it's just kind of rolling the dice and what you're going to get when in terms of an instructor, because you mm -hmm. don't actually need any qualifications or certifications at all to open up a school at all. It's crazy. So what? it's insane that a lot of people like, really worship these 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 bogus teachers like i remember when i was a kid like one of the first things uh like first martial arts i did was taekwondo because my my parents my father thought that's you know it, i grew up in jordan so they're really excelling at taekwondo they win, win medals you know all the time um and the instructor uh i think was got the second place in the world championship or something so that was his credential so like cool but then it it it, it, it allows you to like you really want to uh, gain their respect and you really want to you know you look up to them because of that but then if someone doesn't have credentials like what leads someone to sort of really look at them as sort of like a, a messiah or something well i mean you just touched on something that i think is pretty important which is you you kind of were talking about giving respect to people based off of their martial arts credentials right. um that's actually a really horrible way to put a standard on a human being <laughs> like think about it we don't do that True. for any other job right so for instance if your barber beat the shit out of somebody like a customer you wouldn't be like i respect that barber you know if you're yeah. if you're if your mechanic nail hit somebody over the head multiple times with a tire iron you wouldn't be like man my mechanic's good you would you would base it a little bit more off of your personal interactions with them and that's something that leads hmm. to the brainwashing, for instance, when you walk into a martial arts school, there's something quite unique about that dynamic because you're already giving someone respect before they've ever earned it. So you're saying, oh, right. they're a black belt, so they must have honor and integrity and you know self-control because mm -hmm. that's what we've been taught over the years as children and through movies is that that's what martial arts is about. They're just people. you know. And so I think that that's where a lot of people fall into these cult-like mentalities is they give all this respect up front before they actually get to know the person, before they do any research on them. There are multiple, I mean, every week I do a news story on our YouTube channel and every week I can find a news story about a martial arts instructor who molested a child. Yes. Um, I don't think that that person deserves respect because they won some world championship. They raped mm -hmm. a kid. They don't have respect from me. That's true. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, like I said, so I think it's just it's some, uh, something that naturally happens when we walk into a school is we just give that person respect, even though they haven't mm -hmm. earned it yet. Also, because, you know, you have to be obedient because otherwise you don't learn and, you know, you have to find that respect somewhere. And I guess that's what you latch onto them. You know, like I mean, uh, that's the one, one of the things yeah. for sure. I think that's that, you know, if you're going into anything and you want to be good at anything, you automatically are going to put the teacher in a place of power over you. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. But just because I think that someone's good at something doesn't mean I respect them. For instance, you know, uh, let's say somebody like Charles Manson, who was able to convince people to murder for him. Mm -hmm. I don't respect him just because he's good at that. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's the same yeah, thing with yeah. martial arts instructors. Just because you can beat my ass doesn't mean you get my respect. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting, man. Because in a way, like, I mean, you do respect the skills because like you're there for that reason. You want to learn to be that good. So you only look at that. You only focus at that. And that's where the respect comes from. Whereas instead, you can also look at the overall sort of uh, the person, right? And the things he's done. As yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's kind of, again, it distorts you your uh, your um, definition maybe of the word respect in a way. There you go. Like, uh, for instance, yeah. again, going back to another analogy, if you go to your barber, you know, and your barber, you know, is a heroin addict and, you know, he beats the shit out of women and, you know, he's got mm -hmm. multiple felonies, but he cuts your hair really well. <laughs> you know, I might let him cut my hair, but I'm not going to let him come to my house. I'm not going to like yeah, hang yeah, out yeah. with the dude. <laughs> you know, the dude cuts hair. Well, all right, cool. I. We all have a past, but you cut my hair good, so we'll leave it there. You know exactly. It, unfortunately, martial arts don't don't do that. Like a lot of martial artists consider their instructor their mentor. You know, it's yeah. it's beyond just kicking and punching and choking people. It's oh my god, I have to. I want to be like that person. Uh, you know, and it's why <laughs> why you can, you can learn from the dude, and not want to be like him. It's okay to learn from the skill that they have and not want to be like them. You know? Yeah, maybe there's too much of a, you know, it, it goes back to, um, I think, the martial arts movies and the whole idea behind it. That There was a very spiritual idea behind uh, martial arts, too. Like, there's, I think there's too much weight being put on that, that it's like a religion. You know, a lot of people like it, you know, feel like it's the end all be all once they get involved in it, right? Yeah, I and, mean, we, and we filmed the documentary about frauds in the martial arts industry, We're working on getting it sold now. And while we were filming, we actually interviewed a guy who is a preacher, pastor, oh. whatever you'd like to call him. And when we interviewed him, we asked him specifically about the differences between martial arts, religion, and cults. What's the difference between a martial art, a religion, and a cult? And he was very well-spoken, and he'd said it way better than me. But one of the things that stood out to me is he said the root word of culture is cult. And so <laughs> if you look at any culture, you're, it's going to be made up of a lot of different cults. And you can have a cult of anything. You can have a cult of money. You can have a cult of personality. You can have a martial arts cult. You can have a religious cult. And so what I think a lot of people mess up is they think that the only cults there can be are religious, which isn't true. You can have a cult of anything. People automatically assume that if, if it has anything to do with religion, it could be a cult. But they don't think about that in terms of money. They don't think about that in terms of a person and how much they listen to them. For instance, Charles Manson, he wasn't running a religion. He was running a cult and he was a cult of personality. And so yeah. people don't think that martial arts can be a cult, but they're wrong. <laughs> it can be. It absolutely can. And um, I think it also goes to me <clears throat> back to the psychology of like you when you learn a martial art, you sort of like psychologically feel like you 
um, you know, you don't have to prove yourself anymore because like, you're secure with like your, your skills you have or you can defend yourself uh, if any crazy person ever attacks you on the street, even though the first instruction people always tell you is run. Even the, um, But then I feel like if you use it in a wrong way, you can sort of feel invincible in situations where like, no, no, everybody can be beaten. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it you goes, know, it's like, it, it affects your psychology in a way. It's weird, man. People's ego gets the better of them a lot. You know, yeah, what I always found fascinating is I've been all over and I've been able to train at a lot of different martial arts schools, which is very cool. Um, but a lot of schools will have like, especially more traditional schools will have something on the wall that says, this is a black belt school. I've seen that like hundreds, if not thousands of times, but then sometimes over the door, you'll see it say, leave your ego here. And it's like, well, which one is it? Like, am I leaving my ego here or am uh, I supposed to be this yeah. proud black belt? Like, it can't have both. And yeah. so martial arts dubs come with a little bit of ego. I think the, the difference is, is people who have a healthy ego understand how to turn it on and off. They yeah. know, okay, if I'm fighting you, I need an ego right now. I don't need to think that I'm going to lose. But if I'm, you know, just training and working out with other people, it's not about who's the biggest or the baddest or who's in charge or who has this belt. It's about learning and getting better at your art. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's something that the regular Joe might not know is that, for example, the before MMA was uh, a legitimate sport, um, the UFC kind of was this freak show where they thought, okay, let's see which martial art beats which martial art, which martial art is the best. And in the end, they came to the conclusion, I guess, that mixing several things together and becoming good at those is probably the best way, right? <laughs> like that, that's yeah, back in the day, way. it used to be called NHB. Everybody called the NHB back then, before it became UFC or before it became MMA. Uh, what did that stand yeah, for? Like, uh, no holds barred. Oh, so the no back holds then, barred. when they didn't really have the rule set that we have in place now, yep. headbutts were allowed. You can grab hair. You could hit to the groin. There's like a really famous UFC fight where the dude who played like the odd job character in uh, Austin Powers, he like was repeatedly punched in the groin like 50 times or whatever. And that's how he lost his fight. Uh, it would suck to have that loss on your record, you know, <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> you know? Imagine yeah. being on someone's highlight reel and you're the guy on the ground just getting punched in the dick like over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly and but you think like you know now we're at a time where uh, you know you people know by now what's bullshit and what's not you know like uh do you think like the um, the growth of the, the the popularity of pro wrestling especially back in let's say i'll go like to my childhood let's say maybe even like 20 years ago um that then i realized like those wrestlers were really still holding on to that whole idea of like i cannot admit that it's fake and they were all like really pushing that narrative that it's real even though most people knew it was fake but nowadays you see like they sort of are it's not that they say it but if, if you get asked in an interview they just they think it's a given you know that people now know it's now it's fake um it's staged you know like I'm gonna as in, yeah i mean like you know, of course he's getting slammed for real but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. you know at the end of the day everybody knows it, it's fixed they already know who's gonna win who's gonna lose beforehand and all that good stuff but you know but, i right. think that what yeah. really perpetuated perpetuates the nonsense and martial arts industry is the misconceptions in the world that are pretty standard. Um, and it's very weird. Like you hear these terms that are just bullshit. Like one of the biggest bullshit terms ever in martial arts is size doesn't matter. Like how the fuck does that, that is the dumbest shit I've yeah. ever heard. Like, would you rather be hit by a bus or a bicycle? Like yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be hit by the bicycle. Well, well, that means size matters. Why does every sport martial arts competition have weight classes? 
lie. Like, oh, yeah. I thought size didn't matter. No, it definitely matters. It's just not the only thing that matters. And, you know, people all always say stupid bullshit like that, and it gets perpetuated. Or another cute one is from, like, that movie Roadhouse. I don't know if you ever saw Roadhouse or not. I did, yeah, yeah. They talk about, like, <laughs> they talk about, like, kick him in the knee. It'll bring any man down. And then, like, that echoes through every trailer park in the United States. Like, people are like, I just kick him in the knee. Like, no, you're not. Like, how many times in the UFC ever have we seen people just get stomped in the leg as hard as they can? And their leg just kind of moves out of the way and they keep fighting. You know, it's like yeah. these some shit's just bullshit. It's just funny. You talk about the intangible of, well, not the intangible. It's um, the whole fact that people forget that uh, there's no rules in the streets. You get attacked, there's no rules, uh, and there's weapons, and there's all that. So I think, um, you know, legitimate martial arts schools will tell you if you ever ask uh, an instructor a question of uh, what's the best martial art or what's the best thing I can do when I get attacked in the street, the first thing they'll say is run. You know, that's just, you know, don't don't confront them, right? But well, then, I mean, not getting into a fight is probably the best way to avoid a fight. Exactly. But at the same time, what happens if the guy's Let's say if it's like a crazy person, you know, just no, like, what happens boom. if they're faster than you? True. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that's always the go to with like knife defense, right? They're like, just run away. Well, like, what happens if he's like, now you're going to get stabbed in the back multiple times? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a good thought, you know, but at the end of the day, training is always good. And going to the no rules thing, you know, um, a lot of guys who I guess you could say aren't really trained in the martial arts um, always have that as their argument against a trained martial artist. Like, there's no rules in the streets. <laughs> like I black out and I go crazy. Like, yeah. okay, well you understand like the other guy who is trained has all of those techniques and all that skill and all that training and can also bite you and can also poke you in the eye and can yeah. also hit you with whatever's closest. So it's always like an, a really interesting argument, like with people who um, basically just don't want to train, I guess you could say. True. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And um, I just, I, I was, I've always thought like what, If there, like through all these fake schools that you've exposed, like has there ever been? There must be surely a student that's ever challenged their instructor, right? Oh yeah, There's no way, sure. all of them. Like, but does do these? I mean, these people, I guess, come out with their stories, right? Uh, but it just surprises me, like how many people really buy into this. Like, what is the reason? Do you think, like, psychologically, that these people? think that I mean, they actually have a force field around them for example like I mean, it depends guy. on the person's goal like you know um for instance not everybody's going to martial arts to learn self-defense i know that doesn't sound like it makes any sense but it's true like there are people out there who are joining martial arts because they want to lose weight that's it that's the only thing they want to do and they don't want to go to the gym so they heard martial arts would be fun so why not learn some self-defense but mostly learn how to lose weight or most some people just want a friend <laughs> some people just have yeah, they know that people are in martial arts that there are groups of people there and they'll be friends they'll maybe they'll make a friend some people want a mentor some people want a place to get away from their home life some people need an outlet uh for their anger there's a million different reasons people join um and the reason that the majority of people never compete in martial arts is because most people that's not their goal That mm -hmm. fighting other people isn't really their goal. Their goal is to get something else, some supplementary training for whatever it is that they want. So it's easy to think about it when you think about it like a cult and you don't think about it like martial arts. When people join a cult, you would think, why do they, why do these people believe that aliens are going to come down and take them away to some special planet? Right. It's, it's crazy. But yeah, but when you start thinking about the dynamic of cults, it becomes easier. One, 
once you get in, a lot of times cult leaders will try to isolate you away. And martial arts this is no different because what most martial arts cult leaders will do is they'll stop you from training anywhere else. They'll consider it disrespectful mm. if you go train anywhere else. So they isolate you from the outside world. Then all of a sudden they want you to be there more. Hey, why don't you come in and help us out with kids classes? Why don't you help me assist? Now you're spending more time there. Then after that, you're spending more time being indoctrinated by that instructor. Why don't we do some private lessons and I'll help you get up to your black belt quicker. Right. Next thing you know, these are your friends. This is your hobby. This is your life. And what happens when you get hit with this confrontational moment where you have to make a decision? Do I go against the bullshit and lose my friends, my family, my mentor, and my hobby um, that I've spent years working with? Or do I speak out and then start my life all over again based around something else? Most people can't take that shock in their life. So it's easier for them to go with it than it is for them to speak out. Right, right, right. And then they're probably like, if they're not competing as well, like they, they, they might not of course the belts don't ever hold any merit but they like the idea that they can probably tell people hey i'm a bjj black belt nobody will ever test you and you don't have to test yourself against these people you can just claim it <laughs> you know yeah they, they always it doesn't the mean you have the skills but yeah, it's a, yeah. <laughs> they're like i'd kill you i don't want to show you anything because i'd hurt you too bad like the walmart like that. guy like, <laughs> who like, trained the conor mcgregor and chuck like, Liddell. <laughs> you could show me without killing me right like if you're that good you could not kill me <laughs> you know? yeah Exactly. Don't squeeze that hard. Just show me how you get me there. <laughs> exactly. Do you remember the first video you ever posted on like the McDojo uh, life? And well, uh, I don't, also, yeah, I remember when I first started McDojo life, it was actually on Facebook and I used to do these long essay type, I guess you could say diatribes on Facebook where I would do deep dives. I realized what I was doing at that point though, because I wasn't getting a lot of interaction was I was saying too much. And so nobody had anything else to add because I had already said it all. And then somewhere along the line, I was just like, let's just post this video. I, I think it was a day where I just wasn't able to do a whole thing. And I just posted some funny video. Um, and then it got more likes, more views, more shares, stuff like that. And I noticed I was like, well, maybe if I say less, put it out there and then let people have the conversation, maybe that'll grow. And that's been the, the key. Like, hmm. don't say much, put it out there and let people have their own conversations about it. That's a good key for, you know, it's just content pages in general where people always say, like, how do I grow and how do I, you know, how do I increase my engagement? I mean, of course, sometimes you have to, you know, play stupid in a way like that's what, you know, the core theory of it, I guess. It's like, don't don't explain things is more like give people the the space to argue and give their own opinions and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. interacting with your audience is always good. Like I was telling you before we started, I always said I do every show I ever been asked to do and I always will. And I try to answer every direct message. So in terms of like, I guess you could say if this was a martial arts business, which is more my forte, um, your goal would be retention. Uh, you have yep. lead generation and you have retention. So lead generation for a martial arts school is when you get a martial uh, a person who's never trained or a person who's looking for a school and they go into your school for the first time for a trial class. Well, that's the equivalent of somebody looking at your very first video on your page. That video, that description, and how you interact with your fans is going to dictate whether or not that person is going to stay on your page. Um, and then exactly. after that, retention is the ability to keep that audience for a longer period of time. You won't keep everyone forever. That's a yeah. fantasy, right? But your goal is to have more lead generation um, than you have a fallout or fall off 
from people who are leaving your page. So if you're constantly working to interact with people and you're constantly reaching out and connecting to individuals and taking the time to speak with them, your audience will naturally grow because you have less people leaving you, which I think a lot of people, they fuck up (laughs) because they won't answer any direct messages. They won't do anybody's Mm. shows. It's like, you only have 10,000 followers. Like you're not that busy. I promise you. And uh, you know, but then they get this like holier than thou thought, like, look, we're just people. And mm-hmm. we're followed by other people and we follow other people. The only difference is, is that we're producing something for people to be entertained or to learn or to follow. Um, and so if we're going to do that, why not take the extra step to get to know your audience? Because then that will actually mm-hmm. guide your content mm-hmm. as well. You know, if your audience hates what you're doing and they let you know that you should probably stop doing that. <laughs> and that's why I noticed like uh, for us, uh, for my page, especially it started growing. Like I really started taking it seriously when the lockdown happened. Uh, last year somewhere and uh, we started really promoting like uh, athletes uh, you know a smaller uh, also uh, artists and you know stuff like that and it's the ones that you know don't have that following are on their way up uh, up and coming that sort of give you the best fan base because they're always their friends and family really want to support them in, in this come up and they all start following you and stuff rather than promoting big names or like posting big names already that already have a big name they're like of course people are going to post them you know what I mean? Like, you, you sort of create um, something. They find it special. Like you, you interacting with the, those fans, they they feel appreciated in a way because oh, it's a big page interacting with a smaller person. That 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 whole psychology, I think. Yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. if you look at the history of social media as well, there's ebbs and flows. Um, for yeah. instance, the first like ten percent of people to start a social media or to hop in on a social media are the ones who actually make it happen. So like if you look at TikTok, the first like I guess you could say out of 100 percent of people, the first 10 percent were like, hey, let's try TikTok out. Typically, yep. the people who start on a social media platform are the first ones to get there are usually happy to be there. They wanted to be there. They want to help create and build and share. And so yep. when you first looked at TikTok ads back in the day, it was all happy. Everyone was dancing or they're singing or they're enjoying life. But yeah. then look at how Facebook worked. When Facebook first started, it was only for college kids. It was very exclusive, and people loved to be a part of that exclusive group. But mm. then after, what, like, let's say 10 years later, everybody started kind of moving off of Facebook and onto newer social media platforms because then you have that other 90% people forget about. You yeah. know, that other 90%, the majority of people are going to be in that, okay, well, it's already started. It's already a thing. It's starting to become popular, but now that it's popular, now I'll join um, because Mm -hmm. now it's popular. But then eventually what you're left with is that last little percentage of people who are just cynical. They don't want to be a part of social media. They hate social media. The only reason they're doing it is because their grandkids on it, and that's the only way they can talk. For stalking reasons, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Then you get the toxicity to come in. You know, mm-hmm. so you can see it in YouTube, by the way. People will make YouTube accounts simply to just talk bad about other people. Um, it doesn't start that way. You know, it becomes that because it's getting older. And so what happens is people are always looking for the hotter, newer thing. If you really want to be successful at social media, make sure you're constantly updating with the times. Make sure you're constantly changing. Make sure you're on multiple platforms. But at the same time, make sure that first 10% mentality is you. You're happy to be there. You like engaging with your fans. Mm-hmm. If people you don't like start talking shit rather than talking shit back, block them. Just 
block them. They are toxic. You do not need that. You have nobody to answer to. There's no need. And people who think that being blocked is a victory are dicks. They are douchebags. Those are the people who are purposely trying to fuck with you just to get a rise. Yeah, Yeah, block them. Fuck them. So do you get a lot of hate from non- Fake instructors, <laughs> like who, what kind of hate do you get? Like, yeah, that's crazy because there's so many. You can find the funniest cat video and, and find hate comments on it, right? So <laughs> it's like there's always gonna be whatever you do, there's gonna be haters. I think that's what people have to understand. Um, but what, like, what kind of message do you get, like, from from these other people that, that aren't part of these cults? <laughs> I mean, and most of the time it's just people who don't truly understand martial arts, and so they feel like you know, probably within their own inner circle of friends that they probably are the martial arts guy because they like it, but they've never really trained. And so, you know, they feel like, okay, well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like, well, you know, maybe we just have different opinions. And I think that we're in a time right now where when people have a different opinion than you, it's so much easier to ostracize them and to like point and make fun than it is to actually have an open dialogue or conversation. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, you know, you had shows like Full House, Family Matters, stuff like that, which were shows that were all about life lessons and family and togetherness. And nowadays you don't really get that. And I think that that kind of spills over because most of the time people, kids now are growing up in the internet age and they're growing up on comment sections and videos where all they see is this hate. And so it becomes so much easier for them to just go, you know what, I'll just hate too, because that's what other people are doing then have an adult conversation about why it's okay not to agree with each other. It's okay not to agree. You don't, there are people that are friends of mine that I've known for years, decades. We don't agree on everything. Who gives a shit? It's okay not to agree on hundred percent of everything. That's called being human. Those are the, yeah, it's the mob mentality, but those are the best conversations. Those are the best conversations to have. I mean, because I, I love to talk to people that, that, that have different point of views, as long as they respect mine, right? <laughs> but this yeah. is what you're seeing with, like, uh, I don't want to, like, segue into this, but, like, the vaccination conversation, right? Like, now, if if someone, for me, like, it took me, uh, I t- it took my time with taking the vaccine because I already had COVID. Right, mm. there was no reason for me. I'm, I'm for it. I took it and everything. But then initially, when, when, when you, when someone asks you the question, "Have you been vaccinated yet?" There's this whole shock of like, if you haven't done it yet, like as if, and you're instantly put in in the anti-vax <laughs> box, right? But that happens with everything. It's with like po- political conversations too. Trump, like he had some. Donald Trump had some good things too about him, right? It wasn't all negative. But as soon as someone says Trump. Mm. They're associated with every single ideology that he has. You know, <laughs> people are just weird, man. Like it's I, I, you know, when it comes to like stuff like that, when I grew up, I grew up in the South. I'm from Florida. And so mm. my mom had she had a rule and it's a rule that I typically stick with. She said, there's three things you don't talk to strangers about. You don't talk to strangers about religion, politics or money. She goes, don't talk to strangers about that because it'll always equal an argument because you're never going to agree on those things. Yes, and so when I grew up, First of all, like who was fucking who and how they fucked was none of my business. And now it's publicized Mm. like everybody. Oh, my God, this person's having who gives a shit. That's their private thing. The same thing with like the vaccination stuff. It's like, you know, you can be open and respectful and have an honest conversation with another human being without turning them into the devil. You know, like they just have a different opinion than you. But, you know, yeah, it'll only polarize the world even more if if people don't dare to admit what they what they voted on like here we have in, in the netherlands we have 
uh, our political system, you have like so many different, like the, depending on how many votes you get, you get certain seats in the parliament. Uh, and there's like 25, maybe even 30 parties, you know, and there's all these other small parties and everything. So everyone's voice is somewhat represented, right? We think we live in a very democratic sort of, or a very, let's say, uh, what is it? Like a liberal society. But every, and, and the more people, I don't know anyone who admits openly at least to voting for the extreme left, uh, the extreme right uh, wing party. But they keep gaining more and more power every single election. It's because I think they're getting ostracized so much. Like it's such a stigma to like, if we could just have a conversation with these people openly, I think we'd get a lot closer to a consensus, right? To, to, to true democracy in that sense. You know, well, not every conversation has to be an argument either. And I think that when you're typing things out online yeah. specifically, that you don't know that person's tonality, you don't know their emphasis, yeah. you don't know how they're trying to put that across. And so what we typically do when we're reading things online is we read them how we feel. So if we feel like we're being attacked, we read every message as if it's an attack. If we feel True. like we're having a good, healthy dialogue, then we read it that way. So like, if I were, for instance, it's the old barbershop thing where if you're like hanging out in an old like barbershop in New York and people are like, man, fuck you. No one treats that like a diss. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. joking. You're, you're dicking around. But yeah. if I were to write that and the person was yes. having a bad day and they read it, they'd be like, oh, my God, fuck me. No, fuck you. It's like, dude, relax. Like if, if you were cool with it the other day, but you're not cool with it now, that's just your mood. You know, it's like, yeah. relax, calm that shit down. I, I personally love talking about like shit like you know, all the weird things that are hot topics for people to discuss, because I think that you can have a happy medium. You can agree to disagree. Be like, all right, yeah. well, I don't agree. All right, cool. End of conversation. We move on with life. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, you're still the same person it. to me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, if it's uh, unless it's like really <laughs> anyway. Um, as I can say, it's funny that because like the last guest I had on, it was uh, Jenny Savage, uh, who's a bare knuckle boxer and the the way we like we have a really good relationship now because like months ago before like when we first connected i re responded to a story of hers and she she thought i was attacking her because <laughs> uh, she took it as like she thought i was being sarcastic but i was being serious about a, a certain comment right and we laughed about it and that like <laughs> thought i thought that was really cool like that made us even even closer and like ah oh, shit you know um we but we got off on the wrong foot but that shows that like uh it's one of those and yeah, that, that can happen and Something else I want to touch upon, like if today's society, like the internet society and the internet culture and these kids living on the comments these days, like you see that a lot with like uh, certain rappers or certain like artists when they die and pass away and the messages you see on those on those comment sections are all jokey, like, oh, wait, um, get this guy, like uh, rev go revive the guy or they have the video ter video game terms, you know? Because I feel like they've been living on these screens for so long, they don't. They forget that these people are real people. They get yes. like, stuck into the whole like this. This person is on my screen, so it must be. It must be like a sitcom or a movie. Like they disassociate in that way. Well, people forget like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and whatever other social media. Those aren't places. That like yeah, that's it, not a real exactly. thing. Yep, it's it's a fantasy. It's it's an when you're online, that's your avatar. Like the, it has a word, you know, there's a word for it. Like yeah. you're not, a, that's not you. Like, yeah. and a lot of times people who are completely pleasant in real life and you would probably hang out with when they're online, they're assholes because that's their therapy. 
they don't understand how to communicate with the outside world well. So what they do is rather than talking with their boss about their frustration, they go online and they find a target and they go, you know what, fuck you. And they get all that yeah. that venom out. Yeah. So that way they don't go back to work and shoot the fucking place up. It's like if people would just learn to communicate with other people outside of the screen, like or face to face or having conversations, I think the world be a better place. Absolutely. So I'm going to take it back to your to your page as well. Uh, when is it? Like, was there any specific moment where you thought, oh, I have something here like this is I can make a living off. Like I can make it earn some income on this page, too. And uh, I should push it. I should spend more time on it. Um, I, I guess I had a couple moments like the first one. We actually did an experiment that was like the number one viewed thing on Reddit at one time, which is really fucking cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a, uh, I was teaching martial arts at the time. And so I was also running McDojo life and McDojo life. What it was doing. Okay. I think it had like maybe 5,000 followers, maybe even 10 or something like that on Facebook. It was doing all right. And then somebody who was an acquaintance of mine back in the day, years ago, um, he was on my actual Facebook page and I was advertising a women's self-defense seminar and he was talking shit. Um, and I thought maybe he was joking because he was like a stand-up comedian. He was just starting to do that. And so I was like, hey, man, I sent him a direct message. I was like, hey, if you could do me a favor, like you're talking down to all these women who are taking my class, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't do that. If you're joking, I get it. It's funny. haha. But like if you could stop, I'd appreciate it because that's my actual job. That's where my money comes from. You're fucking with it. And yeah. then he was uh, then he went on to tell me he was dead serious. He was like he didn't think that any women should ever learn self-defense. Uh, he thought, and this was a private conversation. This wasn't like doing it just to be a public douche. He was talking directly. Yeah, then you to know me. it's real. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was like, oh my god, this guy really thinks that like women shouldn't learn self defense. And I was like, why not? He goes, any person who's actually teaching women self defense should be ashamed of themselves because there's no way that a woman could ever beat a man. Oh, no, I was attacking you personally. Yeah. He, oh yeah. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, um, I disagree. But I go, how about this? How about put your money where your mouth is? I said, I'll put up two thousand dollars of my own money. And you could spar with a female. I'll find one and you guys can spar. And I guarantee you she beat your ass. I go, if you win, um, I'm going to give you two grand. And if I, if you lose, she gets two grand. I go, it's that simple. Um, and then, you know, we kept talking, kept talking, kept talking. It wound up being, so it wound up being, I did find someone. She did wind up beating his ass twice um, on video. And then, uh, but when that build up to that, these conversations that we were having, I posted the, a call to action on my, my McDojo page. I was like, $2,000 to anyone who will come out and actually spar this dude. And my inbox blows up. Now, most of the people who were responding already had MMA contracts, so they couldn't legally do it. Yeah. But there were definitely some people that were takers. I wound up getting uh, one and she, she beat his ass. She beat his ass twice. What was her name? Because I've seen a video like that. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'll find it. Tara LaRosa. Sorry. So Tara LaRosa, she, uh, she beat his ass. Um, it was pretty funny because he was talking all this like, Oh, well I'm bigger and stronger and my cardio is better. And she whooped him. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was just, it was just a shit show, but it wound up being like really popular. And I had to jump through all kinds of legal hoops. I got subpoenaed from the state athletic commission. Oh, it was like a, yeah, but it, I could wipe my ass with it because it didn't yeah. go through. But at the end of the day, you know, like then Rogan started talking about us on his show and that was really cool. And, you know, now other That's people are talking about it on their shows. And, you know, I guess the moment I really realized that I was going to be able to do this for a living 
was the moment I, I kind of started looking into how to make money online. And I was like looking at the numbers and I was like, talk to a friend of mine who's a business consultant as well. And he was like, look, dude, this is a thing. You could actually do something here. Um, made a business plan and just burned the ships. I was like, fuck it. This is what I'm doing for a living now. It's all about eyeballs. I mean, if you got eyeballs, there's always a way to make money. If people want to associate yeah, with you. They want to link their brand to you, right? So for sure, that's, that's, it's, it's, that's the simple way of, of saying it. Right. So I mean, you said you were a women's self-defense instructor too, but I've heard you're, you're also very critical of, of self-defense instructors, right? Women's self-defense classes. No, uh, I think yeah. I'm critical of when people say that you're going to learn how to defend yourself in two days. That's bullshit. What a women's self-defense seminar should be is an introductory class to learning how to continue to train in martial arts. If anyone is telling you they have the secret technique that you can learn how to defend yourself in two days, one day, four hours, six hours, they're lying to you. If you take a women's self-defense seminar and you use that as an introductory class and you say, hey, we're glad that you're able to make it here. We're glad you learned a few things. But what you should be doing now is you should be taking this and continuing your education in the martial arts and learning how to defend yourself over a long period of time. Then you'll actually be able to defend yourself better. Um, that's a lot different than these get quick, you know, get become a masterful fighter in three days. Death touch bullshit. That's it's just a fantasy. Five minute abs kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I've tried those. They didn't work, <laughs> you know. But, um, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, oh, let me see if this works. But then you yeah. figure out, like, once, you, once you've done it, you figure out it doesn't work. So I don't know why people keep falling for it. Like, fuck, I it's, did the five yeah. minutes, man. Where are the ass? Yeah. <laughs> it's similar with, actually, like, it was going to go back because, like, because uh, uh, I did Taekwondo. I did boxing. I still do boxing. But, like, the Taekwondo, uh, I was put in it because back in, like, my high school, it was such an animal house, that high school, man. It was just, like, I don't know how it was for you, but uh, there was one period of time where there was just so many fights happening in class and in school where my parents were like, you know what? We're going to put you in, learn how to defend yourself. But then you realize after a while of, of Taekwondo that where you think that what you know is helpful in those fighting situations that, no, it is not everything because I've been attacked and that I was taken down or they hold me. I'm like, no, this is not supposed to happen. You know, like this, this is not how, what I learned. So even in real martial arts, like specific martial arts you do that are limited, limited skill set, limited rule sets, you figure out eventually that this is not what helps you, you know, uh, defend yourself in real fight situations, right? Mm. So why do these people in these fake martial arts schools still hold on to like the, you said like there was the whole worship thing, the whole cult-like behavior thing. Like what makes them think that they can survive these situations? Like some of these people think they can survive these situations still. Well, there's an interesting thing where you lie to yourself long enough, you actually think it's the truth. Um, we do it all the time. You know, like um, you'll you'll have a memory and you're like, you remember that one time you like did this one thing and that was awesome. And then the other person was like, it didn't really go like that. This is actually what happened. But sometimes our memory does that. It's the um, yeah. Mandela effect. I don't know if you ever heard of that or not. I haven't. So it's kind of like the the Berenstein Bears, right? Um, it's an old kids kids book, but everyone remembers it as Berenstein Bears. Or mass delusion is a thing like where people will think like, oh, this happened. Like, for instance, uh, you know, quotes from movies where everyone will remember the quote exactly said like this, but it mm -hmm. wasn't. 
Um, it was said completely different. Well, it's the same thing with a lie. If you continue to tell yourself a lie enough, it will eventually become your truth. It might not yeah. be the truth, but in your head, you can't be convinced otherwise. And so that's what happens with a lot of these instructors is they tell this lie for a living. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and it may have very much started off as an innocent lie that grew and grew and grew into this major thing. You have guys like George Dillman who believes he can knock people out with his chi um, or you can hit three pressure points and knock anyone out like that kind of stuff is fantasy. But in yeah. his head, he's so deluded from the lie that he really believes it. Would he ever actually do it? No, because I think in the back of his mind, he still is aware that there's a chance this might not work. And so rather than being exposed in the lie, it's so much easier for him to just say, nah, I don't want to fight you because I'll hurt you or I'll kill you or it's too dangerous. Those kind of things pop up a lot. Is that the same guy from that video where the woman runs at him on the beach, one of his teachers, and then she slams and gets knocked out, like slams into some guy? No, that's called a, that cult is called blue bamboo. Mm. Oh, sorry. So, yellow bamboo. I apologize. That's the, the ones yellow that believe bamboo in the, the forest fields you can't enter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, but there's all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, Indonesia, it's so rampant. I saw a yeah. kid slit his throat, an eight-year-old child oh, slit his God. throat and kill himself because he believed that he couldn't be cut. He, he wasn't aware Jesus. that it was a parlor trick. Um, I saw uh, it was like a group of like eight or nine kids get run over by a truck and one of them died while hundreds of people yeah, watched because one. they had this mass delusion that they really believe this ingrained Tanaga Dalam, which means inner power, that that's a real thing. And it's so widespread that a lot of people believe it. The majority, there are now people in Indonesia who are speaking out against it, but that it's already been going on for so long. It's, it's ingrained in the culture. That's a good segue because I was going to go into like, what is the, like one of these schools of thought that you were like following. And once you started getting into that, rabbit hole more and more you started finding out like this is way deeper than i thought and it's getting so dangerous that it's actually life-threatening to many people um i didn't realize how many pedophiles were in the martial arts industry until i started looking um i don't think that a lot of people even realize that a lot of pedophiles are still operating martial arts schools today there's a guy named david arnbeck he molested a 15 year old girl in his house um, and she you know obviously she was staying over for a sleepover with his daughter but he wound up molesting yeah. her he pled guilty in court, pled guilty, took the guilty plea. And then he still runs three martial arts schools today called Warriors Cove. Um, you know, what, what blows my mind is the fact that people just kind of seem to ignore it. He even made a website called davidarnbeck.com, where in the website, he himself admits to taking the guilty plea. Um, it's what blows my mind is that people don't do the research or I didn't understand that Indonesian culture was so ingrained in magic and mysticism and um, how bad that can be. Um, you know, I, I wasn't aware that I wouldn't run out of content by now. <laughs> like, I was like, for sure, like two years sure in, I was like, I'm going to run out of shit, but I never do. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a weird thing to like basically call out these frauds. And then every day you're waking up going, maybe I won't have anything to post today. And then you have like a surplus of hundreds of videos. You're like, well, fuck, I guess I still got stuff to post. And then you're, uh, contemplating like, should, should I be happy about this or not? You know, <laughs> like on the <laughs> one hand, I need content on the other hand, like, it's sad that, you know, I have content, you know, like, yeah. but it's, like, it's I could yeah. just do like, I'd love to do videos about like how to help martial arts schools and how to help your school grow and how to get you more students. But it's like, I didn't start the page for that. 
You know, I started the page to call out these frauds and now they just, they seem to be never ending. And I really mm -hmm. wish they would. So I could do the other shit that I like to do, but I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to call them out. It feels like the right thing to do. So people don't get hurt or fall trapped or, you know, get molested yeah, shit like good. that. Yeah. Cause mm, it reminded me like when recently those articles started coming out, especially in the jujitsu scene of like all these molestations and, and those grooming stories, right. That you have uh, really reminded me of those, the Catholic churches. And I know you've touched upon, you've touched upon this before as well, but like, does it, I mean, I guess it dates back. It goes back to the whole idea of uh, when, the martial arts ideology or, or something becomes such a religious thing. Like it's, it's the same thing as people who become obsessed with religion. Well, you want to hear something really creepy. Um, so in our yep. documentary, we were trying to look into why um, the similarities and the differences between religion and martial arts and cults. So we talked about that a lot. And mm -hmm. so we, we touched on the Catholic church very specifically because I've been to Catholic mass. So I didn't want to talk about something that, was out of my wheelhouse. Mm. And so I looked at Catholic mass and I started comparing Catholic mass to how you handle a martial arts class. And they are almost verbatim identical, almost identical. So check this out. When you first walk into a martial arts school, you either bow at the door or you bow at the mat, sometimes both depending on the school. When yeah. you walk into a Catholic mass, again, there's this strange duality here where sometimes there's a bowl of holy water and you kind of i guess you could say anoint yourself before you walk forward but also you could do that before you go into the pew take a knee do the same thing so yeah. it's very similar to martial arts in a catholic mass everyone's sitting on one side of the room and the one person who's teaching or lecturing you in religion is on the other giving right. his sermon well in martial arts everyone's on one side of the room the instructor's on the other side of the room teaching class behind the preacher in a catholic mass there's usually a statue, a painting, or a stained glass of Jesus Christ. In a martial arts school, behind the instructor is usually a picture of the master who came before. What do yes. you do whenever you What do you do whenever you start um, a martial arts class? You typically bow to that picture. It's paying respects. What do you do before a Catholic mass? You typically have some sort of a ceremony paying respect to Jesus Christ. Mm. What happens in the middle of a Catholic mass sermon? Everyone stands up. Peace be with you. You shake each other's hands. You start introducing yourself to each other. What do you do at the end of a martial arts class? Everyone ends. You start shaking each other's hands. It is almost yeah. identical, almost identical to how a Catholic mass operates. So the only difference that separates religion, martial arts, and a cult is the intent of the leader. The intent of the leader in a martial arts class should be to teach you self-defense. That's it. Mm -hmm. The intent of the person who is in charge of a Catholic mass or a, a religious ceremony is to teach you about religion, right? Yep. The intent of the cult leader is to use any means necessary to take advantage of you for their own personal gain. Mm -hmm. You could have a religious cult simply because the person in charge is trying to take advantage of you for, for their own gain. Same thing with a martial arts school. So other than that, they're almost identical. That is true. So the whole, it's identical. The only thing, the difference is the intent of the, that's of it. the cult lead or the leader. Listen, that's, that's it. That is the leader. only difference. And that's that scary nuts. because it would be very yeah. difficult to see and spot. We would yeah. think it would be easy, but when we talk to psychologists during the, the documentary, the psychologists told us that the people who are most likely to fall victim of cults are people who are very well-to-do, people who have money, people who are well-educated, and people who never think they'll fall victim of a cult. Those are the three times of people who are most likely going to fall victim of a cult. Because you're so convinced you're not going to fall for it that eventually you're in it. You're like, you don't think about it. 
Exactly. You're like, well, I would have never fell for it. You know, you know, people yeah. who don't burn their hands. But it's on part of addediction, Larry. It's similar to like addiction in a way, where you don't admit to yourself that you're addicted, right? Until exactly, until that's the only way yeah. to really get out of a cult. You know, is yeah. you have to want yourself to get out. But when it comes down yeah. to like you, the the people who don't burn their hands on hot stoves are people who have already burned their hands before. The people who don't fall off of buildings or, you know, or the people who understand the safety protocols and go, you know what, if I don't follow the safety protocol, I might fall off the damn building. You know, I'm not going to go on the other side of this handrail because it's there for a reason. The people who are rich are people who are more well to do or wealthy. They have expendable income to give to the cult. People who are poor don't typically get involved in cults because they can't afford it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then people who are well-educated, the reason they fall victim is simply because they've spent their entire life in education. They, yeah. You know, they've yeah. gone and they've been well-educated. And then when it comes down to more higher learning or higher education, typically what they wind up doing is learning about themselves. They go to self-help seminars. They go to business seminars. They go to seminars to make themselves better. And that's where gurus tend to lie as the self-help world. So mm, it's not that yeah. hard and far-fetched. Yeah, I guess people don't have money to like do their research more about what they're spending their money on. <laughs> Whereas if you have a lot of money, you just throw it at stuff. <laughs> yeah. way too. And it's it gets very dangerous, um, especially when, you, you know, I love that you touched upon the point of uh, cultures that are very much ingrained in the spiritual and the divine. Like, because where I grew up in the Middle East, uh, it's very different than here. You know, like... Um, I don't want to make it a religious and not attacking religions or anything in that way. But there's a lot of people that get so ingrained in like even the, uh, is like I'll say Islam is there is, 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 is the big dominant religion right there. Um, there's so many people that are so deep in it that they actually genuinely would believe that, for example, that, uh, if, even if they just sit around and do nothing, you know, that wealth is going to come to them and stuff because they're that, that they believe so much. For The same reason that some people might think if I jump off this building, I'm going to get saved. I'm never going to die because I'm that religious, you know, like there's this very divine, there's this obsession with the divine in, in, in many religions uh, around the world that that becomes, that, that runs their life. They actually think they have that safety net around them, you know? And I think in those cultures, perhaps you're more susceptible to, to falling for these fake teachings. Yeah, it's, it's a shame, you know, because there can be so many good things that come out of religion, you know, like yeah. the wanting to help the needy, the, you know, the, the need to do for others and things like that are great, you know, but then you have, again, you have people out there who take advantage of those things and twist the words of whatever particular book that you read for your particular God. And then they take that and they go, well, I can take advantage of people here, you know, they're that you know just to hop off because i love movies but if you think about like there's a movie called book of eli yeah i know and that yeah, entire yeah, yeah. book that entire movie is about power through the bible mm-hmm. being able to have the only bible in existence and being able to use that to manipulate and con and defraud people that's what that entire movie is about because the only person who's really looking yeah. for that book is the bad guy <laughs> you know but True. The one person who's trying to get the book to the right people isn't trying to share it with everyone. He's trying to keep that tighter to his chest. He's not spreading it throughout the world. He's just sharing little fables here and there with people that he meets along the way. And people who pay attention and they really listen to the things that he has to say, they, they learn something and they become better for it. But then the people who are trying to use it to manipulate people, that happens now. <laughs> like people yeah. use that for their own evil doings all the fucking time. To me personally, I'm not a religious dude, 
I can see the good things in it. I can see the bad things in it, but I guess I'm one of those people where I like tangibles. Mm -hmm. And I think faith is something that we have the luxury of having. Like you are, you have the luxury of having faith when you're in a dire situation, like, and you're about to die or you're being Mm -hmm. held up or you're, you know, you're in a foxhole or any of these things. And you know, something bad's about to happen. You become real religious, real fucking fast. Even if you aren't religious, you know, (laughs) I was thinking of like um, this, the whole, uh, it's <clears throat> the mental uh, side of it is, is, is great. I think believing the afterlife for a lot of people is, 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 is a good, you know, it's, it's, it's a positive way to think about things in a way that makes you less scared of dying and makes you cope with uh, grief maybe uh, very well, knowing that, you know, believing that, you know, your loved ones are in a better place. Uh, the ones yeah, are best sure. on, so I, w- I wish stuff. I believed it. I do. I really yeah, right? do. Like, I wish See, I believed that. In I'm agnostic, I so I believe in something. And I hope. Yeah, there you I go. Hope, okay. I hope I genuinely believe it, right? I don't, I'm well, not I've sure al- if I genuinely believe it. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I've always, I'm ag- agnostic as well, but I've always yeah. believed that I don't believe in God, but I hope he believes in me, is my personal quote. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if, if I don't believe in him and he still exists, hopefully he still gives a fuck about me in some way, you know? Yeah. Like, that's all I care. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not one of those sinners that didn't believe enough and I'm going to hell now. I know, like, <laughs> you get to the pearly yeah. gates and he's like, ah, not yeah, enough faith. Hit yeah. the bricks. You missed it by one point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, fuck. It's I like those do. UFC judges, you know? <laughs> like, oh, I did enough. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to give this one a 10-7 round. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I didn't even get taken down. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Uh, do you have, like, last question? Uh, do you have an end goal in mind with this, with this page? Like, wh- when... When do you really think you've really made an impact or do you think you already did? I, I, I would say I, I, I'll put it this way. I know I've made an impact simply because of how many messages I get with people's really deep stories that they've told me about how the page has helped them in one way or another. Hmm. Um, one guy even made a page um, specifically because he had depression um, and he was watching these fake martial artists and made him laugh so much that he wound up starting his own page and it kind of gave him a new lot on life and really oh, made wow. him enjoy it. So that was cool. Um, you know, people who have gotten out of martial arts schools, people who have left schools because they found out about instructors, schools that have gotten closed down. So I know it makes an impact, but I don't think personally it will ever be enough because there's always one more person you can help. There's always one more incident that you could have covered. There's, you could have gotten to the story earlier. You could have helped someone. You could have found out that this dude was a pedophile before he molested someone else. Like it it almost comes with more of a weight than it does anything else because I feel obligated to do better. Um, So I don't think it'll ever be enough, but at the end of the day, I know it makes an impact. So it keeps me going. So I guess like it's, it's a whole, uh, as long as this uh, trend lives on, of people maybe starting pages and as a team and collective exposing more and more of these uh, institutions or whatever you want to call it, then that's already a, a win. Yeah, man. I, I think at this yeah. point it's, it's gotta be life's work. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think I necessarily chose it um, because I kind of came about it so casually, but I think maybe in a way I don't necessarily believe in fate, um, but I think that maybe it chose me and it's something that I'm doing now. It's naturally evolved into what it is and, I'm not going to stop because they're not going to stop. So fuck them. Yes. That's a good note to end on then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, is there any projects you're working on now that you want to promote or uh, anything you want to share? Yeah, for sure, man. Well, hopefully everybody can keep an eye out for our documentary. We filmed the martial arts a documentary about frauds in the martial arts industry. Uh, we're looking to make it a five-part series, and we're trying real hard to get it on Netflix. So if anybody 
you know, if whenever that comes around, you know, you can keep an eye out because we're working hard to try to get that out there. Um, and then uh, writing a book about all the crazy shit that I've seen throughout the martial arts industry throughout my years. And um, hopefully over the, over time, people, more people will follow our YouTube so I can do better YouTube content. <laughs> so. Awesome. Good, man. Well, good job, man. Keep it up. Uh, I'll be following. I'll be sharing everything. Um, so have a great day, man. Appreciate you. Okay.